This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. We have been in a sermon series, The God Who Comes. In response to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come. Today we will be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. It's found in your pew Bible in the Old Testament, beginning on page 597. Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray. Lord, we are a people familiar with darkness. And so we pray that a great light from your scripture would shine upon us and soap our hearts that we may know the peace that you bring. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your image of peace? On the last Sunday in Advent, a father reviewed his children on what they'd learned in church who can tell me what the four candles in the Advent wreath mean, he asked. His seven-year-old son immediately chimed in. Well, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. And, and the six-year-old sister said, I know, there's peace and quiet. 
quiet. How many are looking for some peace and quiet in the next week? Ask the audience to have a, a mental image of peace. Close your eyes. Imagine peace. After a few seconds, he asked what came to their mind. Hands shot up. It was a tranquil lake. And another saw alpine landscape. And another saw a field of flowers with beautiful trees. Everyone's image had one thing in common. There were no people in it. And Ramson notes, isn't it interesting? When asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate people. When we think of peace, most of us are thinking about that personal inner calm that helps us keep our balance. That helps us keep our balance. Now, there are hundreds of books and apps out there that help us. And each one has one thing in common. It's a conviction that if we practice the right frame of mind and we have the right techniques, then our fears, our tensions, our anxieties will give way to peace and power and serenity. How's that working for you? In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy is shouting to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, noxiousness. So if hard-earned inner peace does not stop outer obnoxiousness, what hope is there for national peace? What hope is there for worldwide peace? What in the world can bring us peace? Alfred Nobel, he's the one that established the Nobel Peace Prize after he invented dynamite. In 1892, Nobel declared that his invention would end war sooner than peace congresses. A year later, Hiram Maxim produced the Maxim silencer. Maxim said that his invention would make war impossible. Both, invincible. Both inventions opened the door instead to more devastation. War is latent within all of us. It's war, not peace, that is the human response. We need help. Can God give us peace? Yes, affirms the late Eugene Peterson. God gives peace. But, he adds, it's not a peace that gets along with everybody by avoiding the hint of anything unpleasant. It's not a peace achieved by refusing to talk about painful subjects or touch 
sore spots. It is a piece that is won hard by learning to pray. Apathy to defeat. There's dullness to challenge, ambition to confront. There are people all around us, he says, who are being trampled and violated, who are being hurt and despised. Any preaching of peace that turns its back on these is a cruel farce, Peterson warns. This brings us to Isaiah chapter 9. The context is despair. One verse earlier, way before verses and chapters were added to scrolls, we read, only distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, they will be thrust into thick darkness. Darkness. It's, it's the language used of the underworld, the thick darkness. Darkness. It's, it's the language used of the underworld, the place inhabited by the dead. Darkness suggests the threat of extinction. Darkness was over the whole land. Now, this is as dark as dark can get. And some of you know what darkness feels like. Human behavior has sunk to its lowest depth. Political events have bred hopelessness. I don't know what you see when you look around you. What is happening in your life? What's happening in your health, your relationships? What do you see for our collective future? In Isaiah, we see darkness and gloom over the whole land. It's darkness produced by the human heart. But then, verse 1, chapter 9, bursts forth in vivid contrast. God's saving word brings light, but there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. He will make glorious the way of the sea, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the very place where the Assyrians had come. I don't know if you're aware that violent Assyrian invasion took place at the time of this writing in northern Israel called Galilee, the Assyrians had come, and it was in 733 and 32 that Galilee was overwhelmed by the Assyrian army. So we hear in chapter 9, verse 2, those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Did you notice that the grammar is in the past tense? It's as if something has already happened, as if God has already beaten the enemy. Now, is God trash-talking? Is this smack like athletes do before a big game? Remember Larry Bird of the Boston Celtics? In 1986, in Dallas, he walked out onto the contest floor for the three-point shooter, and he looked at all the other players on the floor, and he said nothing. He just gave him the stare down. Very strange behavior. 
Someone asked him about it, and he said, I'm just looking to see who's going to finish second. to finish second. Is God trash-talking in Isaiah 9? Calling himself the victor before the battle is won? Galilee is devastated, and the Assyrians are marching toward Jerusalem. The light that appears in chapter 9 is not something that happens immediately. It is a light that becomes immediately evident to the eye of faith. A great light has come in the word, and believers see it and are sustained. What do you see as you live out your life? Darkness and distress are real, but they are not the fundamental, the fundamental reality. The light of God's presence is greater. There was a contest with the invitation for artists and sculptors to portray their understanding of peace. Some showed beautiful sunsets, other pastoral scenery. The prize, however, went to the artist who painted a bird settled in a nest, which was attached to a branch protruding from the edge of a thundering waterfall. In times of outward peace, any of us can be at peace. It is the mark of supernatural peace that can continue in the presence of outward trouble and inner distress. Verse 6. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. And then what follows are the qualifications, the name. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Name sums up the character, the qualifications of a person. Wonderful Counselor. Literally, it is a wonder of a counselor. Counselors, as you know, share wisdom in order to give us guidance. There are limits, however, to human wisdom. Former New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra shared his wisdom in his own way. He was asked to give a commencement address to Montclair State University. First, Montclair State University. First, he said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Second, don't always follow the crowd. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Third and last, remember that whatever you do in your life, 90% of it is half mental. There are limits to human wisdom. In Isaiah 9, 6, we hear that the one who is born is a wonder of a counselor. His wisdom surpasses all human guidance. His name is Mighty God. This is a title reserved for the Lord God, 
The son that is given is divine. His name is everlasting father. Everlasting. Permanent. And not sodic. Not starting and stopping like New Year's resolutions or when our feelings change. Everlasting. He's father. It describes a relationship, the kind with us that's gracious, caring, protective, giving supportive discipline. Now, not everyone had or has a father like this, but I can say this with confidence. We know when we don't have a father like that because we are hardwired by our creator to know what fatherhood is meant to be. The son that is given fulfills the relationship perfectly. And he is the prince of peace, the relationship perfectly. And he is the prince of peace. We were made for peace. Our bodies and our minds crave it. And when we don't have peace, our bodies and our minds let us know. Peace means to be whole and complete. The Hebrew word is shalom. It means universal wholeness, flourishing, and delight. Our grandson, Hunter, is in kindergarten in a Christian school. Everything about his kindergarten classroom reflects shalom. It's a rich environment in which needs are satisfied, natural gifts are exercised. It's a class that inspires joyful wonder of the Creator and welcomes everyone like Hunter's kindergarten. It's the way things ought to be. Now we think about peace at Christmas. Christ came to bring peace observes A.W. Tozier. We celebrate his coming by making peace impossible for six weeks of each year. Maybe we're seeking peace apart from the prince. What if we looked for peace by going to the prince of peace, seeking it in him? Let me tell you, what happens if we do? Sam Nunn was a U.S. senator. He summarized the events that ended the Cold War like this. The Cold War ended not in a nuclear inferno, but in a piece of candles in the churches of Eastern Europe. It began as a peaceful rev revolution in Leipzig, Germany, when a courageous priest... Christian Führer opened St. Nicholas Church each Monday for prayers of peace. First, a few hundred came, and then a thousand, and then 30,000, 50,000, finally 100,000, 500,000, almost the entire population of Leipzig. They turned out for these prayer vigils. After prayer, the peaceful protesters would march to the dark streets singing hymns. Police and soldiers had their weapons loaded, but they were powerless against such a force. Ultimately, in East Berlin, 
One million protesters followed. Then the Berlin Wall came tumbling down without a shot being fired. Across the street from the Leipzig Church, St. Nicholas, a banner was rolled out. Wir danken dir, Kirsche. We thank you, church. As Eugene Peterson aptly said, peace is hard won by learning to pray. Because peace that's received becomes manifest in the world. So where can this peace be found this Christmas? From Luke 2, we know that Mary and Joseph were alone. They were far from home. Mary was in desperate need of a place to give birth to her firstborn. This is a fear and a need that few of us can fully imagine. Peace to be found. When her body went into labor, she lay panting on the straw floor of a stable. Where is peace to be found if you are not where you want to be? When a situation is not turning out as you planned, and when you are not sure how you are going to get through what lies ahead. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is found in the presence of God, the Prince of Peace. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, leader in a, the Confessing Church of Germany in the 1940s, opposed Hitler's government. He was arrested and sentenced to death by the Nazi regime. In a movie made for TV, Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer, Agent of Grace, Bonhoeffer lies in his darkened prison cell. He hears through the cement wall the weeping of a prisoner in the adjacent cell. Speaking through the wall, Bonhoeffer identifies himself as a pastor. He assures the man that he is not alone. He asks him if he would like to pray. The muffled reply comes back. I don't believe in God. A German guard looks in and retorts, it won't do any good. He's going to be shot any day now. Undaunted, Bonhoeffer leans against the stark cell wall and calls out to the prisoner, if you can hear me, put your hands on the wall as if you were touching. Mine are here too. No hands appear. As the guard looks on through a peephole, Bonhoeffer prays, Lord, it's dark in me, and you is day. I'm alone is day. I'm alone, but you will stay. I'm afraid you never cease. I am at war, and you is peace. Slowly, we see a pair of hands reach up and touch the wall opposite of where Bonhoeffer's hands are. As dawn breaks, a single rifle shot shatters the morning calm. The same German guard, now more somber and less cynical, appears at Bonhoeffer's cell. I thought you'd like to know. The boy from the next cell, he was very calm. It surprised everyone. Where can peace be found this Christmas? It can be yours. Whether you are in a stable or in a prison cell or whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, 
How is it possible? The baby Mary bore is the son that has been given. Authority rests on his shoulders. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Where is peace to be found? It's not in the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Your light can dawn, and your life manifest the shalom of God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Whatever darkness we find ourselves in, whatever darkness is in this world, your light is brighter. So we pray that we may reach up with our hands and say, yes, I want this. And hard one prayer. In your name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.